and welcome to the Written World Podcast. I'm Izzy. And I'm Kylie. And today we are talking about... The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. Yes, this fulfills the novella line on our 2022 reading challenge, but we both had it on our list and wanted to read it anyway. So excited to have gotten an excuse to do it. Yes, absolutely. I believe this is number seven on our challenge. Yeah, if you're following along, let us know on Instagram. Yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, and if you have recommendations for any specific one of our numbers, and we posted it a few days ago, but feel free to drop it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll check them out. But back to The House on Mango Street. This is, for anyone who doesn't know, a sort of coming-of-age story told in a series of vignettes, like super short poems and stories about the adolescence of a girl named Esperanza growing up in the Hispanic quarter of Chicago. Uh, Most definitely. Just to give you a little like preview about what this work is about and sort of the history behind the work. So sort of in the foreword of the novel, Sandra Cisneros uh, explains that she sort of conceptualized this work um, as a grad student in Iowa um, in a creative writing workshop. And that um, in learning to craft and creative writing, she found that a lot of her courses and a lot of the peers that she was interacting with she couldn't identify with and that the course material was often sort of like suppressing her own existence and her identity as a Latin American individual. So she began to do all of the opposite things of what she was being taught to do in her creative writing courses. And she made this, which is very cool. Yeah, it has a very like distinct style to it that, well, I'll say more about that in a bit. In the meantime, what were your first impressions, speaking of the foreword? The, the foreword was actually one of my favorite parts of this book. One, because it was written by the author, um, and we sort of got like an inside look as to her like reasons for writing the work. And it was so like deeply personal and gave so much like context and kind of like cultural, historical and like sociological narrative to like pack in before like experiencing the work that it was just this beautiful start to um, Esperanza's journey without, like, being a part. It wasn't, like, a part of Esperanza's journey, but it was a part of um, Cisneros' journey, which was in some way also Esperanza's journey. So it's just this beautiful conglomerate of everything that she was working towards. Yeah, I felt like it was a really good window into just where the author's head was, at the time of writing this, um, I also really, really liked, uh, the foreword. It was, it felt to me, like, very, like, this is probably a very poor description, but the only one I can think of, just, like, aesthetically pleasing, even though it was not a visual art form, (laughs) that's what it felt like. I feel like everything is, like, fashion and, 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 um, trends of all kinds are cyclical, but I feel like, I'm seeing so many things that Cisneros was saying were important to her at this time in her life, like resurfacing resurfacing in media everywhere. Um, I feel like Cisneros would have had a really a really aesthetically pleasing Pinterest or not Pinterest um, TikTok. I feel like she would have done like apartment tours, but like 
not in a like obnoxious way she would have been like this is where I set up my space to write and I like candles and I have like maybe I'm just spending too much time on TikTok but I I think that there are good parts of TikTok and (laughs) I like I feel like if you're really into like I don't know like the way she talks about moving to Chicago on her own and having her own space and like her desk for writing and putting her pictures up on the wall like it felt very familiar to me and maybe it's just because I'm a young woman of her age living in a city I don't know but it made me want to tell anyone in that age like read this and you will I don't know you'll feel something familiar yeah I I really like that so actually I follow her on Instagram and it is very like yeah you should do that she has a very aesthetically pleasing Instagram but like in a realistic way yes yes yeah yeah she just she feels like a very overall like very very cool human being and that comes through in her photos you know what the great thing about podcasts is that we can, you know, just go off and talk about social media and it does apply. It does. Because that's sort of the world that we're existing in now. Yeah. But anyway, what Kylie was getting at is that I feel like one of the beautiful things while reading like narratives from different like experiences and like cross-cultural narratives and different like sociological experiences different like experiences with sexuality sexuality like any of those things um is that there's still empathy that we that can be of course there's always empathy that can be drawn from other people but there's like interconnectedness that we can find as individuals to our own lives even if the experience is like vastly different than our own so which sort of like speaks to the like interconnected nature of humanity itself even though we like to divide ourselves and sometimes have to divide ourselves because of suppression and oppression and different like experiences that different cultural groups have because sort of at the end of the day this work of literature is an act of rebellion done by um, Cisneros to add like Mexican-American voices to the literary market to speak her own truth in her own stories but also the stories of people like her sort of like a conglomerate of things that she experienced and of people she knew and what she wanted to say about that which is something she seems to continue to be doing in her life so like follow her on instagram <laughs> i yeah i definitely want to like after reading this i would think it would be really interesting to see like her, some of her work closer to now like some of her later work um because this was when she was in college okay now our uh the written world podcast now follows her on instagram as as we should (laughs) yeah so don't skip the forward for sure for you isadora where is it on the couldn't pick it up to couldn't put it down scale this is a hard question for me to answer because I really did like the book and I think that it was easy to read very quickly. That doesn't necessarily mean that I was like, yeah, I want to pick this up again right now. Like, I'm so excited to keep reading this. And I say that because like, in some ways, it is still a trauma narrative. And it it still is something that Though a lot of a lot of the stories and the dealings that um, Cisneros goes through are very mundane and very everyday, there's still sort of that like underlying like tension that you like know something's coming that the 
you know, and I had known previously that this book has been like banned from some schools and things like that because of its um, discussion of like sexual trauma. So that was sort of always at the back of my mind. This is a roundabout way of saying that I don't think it's the kind of book where like you can't put it down because you're so in like invested in a storyline because it's not really about that. It's it's about these little vignettes of everyday life that sort of lead up and also like even have from the beginning like pretty traumatic experiences. So it's definitely something good to ingest, but it's, you know, not something that you really read for like the, yeah, wow, this plot's so interesting. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. I think it's interesting that we're finding with so many of the books we read for the podcast that it doesn't always mean if it's further towards couldn't pick it up or further away from couldn't put it down, I guess I should say. Like, that doesn't really correlate necessarily to the books we liked versus didn't like. That that is just like one very specific way to look at a book, which I think is not a bad way, but you know, it's not it's not a be all end all by any means. So this was interesting for me. This was my first non audiobook that I read in a while. And I also read it as an ebook, which I don't love doing, but it sure is convenient. Um <laughs> And so that was actually, that felt like really refreshing for me. And also it was nice that it was like short sections to ingest visually. But this was, it felt really, really refreshing to, to read this written down because like I kind of alluded to earlier, it does feel like there's a poetry of it that feels like it needs to be read rather than heard. And I wouldn't, I think my perception of it would have been really skewed if I had listened to it. Um, and I definitely want to read more than I listen this coming year. But yeah, I was, I wouldn't say I couldn't put it down, but every time it was time to pick it up, I was like, yes, I want to read this. So there's that. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to say that like, it goes the other way too. Like there are, I feel like more rarely, but there are books where like, I couldn't put it down, but I hated it. <laughs> That's so true. I didn't even think about it, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, I talk about my my severe dislike of Patrick Rothfuss a lot on this podcast, but his his book, The Name of the Wind, I couldn't put it down because like the writing is great, but like I hated it. It was so sexist. <laughs> like the women were cardboard, and like not like how they're usually cardboard in old fantasy, like just really cardboard also sometimes sometimes the writing sucks and i'm just like this plot i i like i gotta know what happens i really like the plot i wish it had been written better but it hasn't but i'm already invested now so i'm gonna figure out how it ends yeah so i agree I, this i guess is a little bit of an odd question given the way that this novel is set up but what were your feelings about the characters i feel like the the two characters that I felt like sat with me the most were Sally and then Esperanza, who's the narrator. And I sort of liked how the two of them, without like spoiling anything, are sort of like doubles, but like act as more like doubles of what it means to be feminine or female identifying. Sort of like this difference between someone who is more like traditionally feminine and someone who isn't. And how that doesn't save you from <laughs> the horrors of, like, being not a cis male, basically. 
I really liked how um, Cisneros like played with that and played with the fact that even Esperanza had to come to terms with what that meant and sort of had to had to struggle with that. I think oftentimes when I see themes like that, I want the main character to immediately know that like it's not your fault, it's not the other women in your life's fault. It's you know, but like reality isn't so clean and women aren't made to feel that way they're really made to like internalize that shame and that that like horror like it it was something that they or the people around them did not uh, or like the other women in their life who have gone through similar situations did versus um the overall system or the perpetuation of that kind of violence and all that stuff that's a really good point thank you (laughs) wow well said what did you think I so th- the way this is set up is that there are there are some characters that you get you get multiple looks at for lack of a better way to phrase that um like you'll see them in one vignette or poem or story and they'll come back later or they're sort of a constant all the way through but there are many others who you really only see in like a couple of pages but obviously they're important enough to have a couple of pages of a novella devoted to them and so I feel like they're all like kind of beautiful and heartbreaking in their own way. Um, one of the first ones, Marin, really stuck out to me. And like I was thinking about her still at the end of the book. She's a young woman from Puerto Rico who is living with the family of her cousins. And she, she basically can't leave the house because she's always babysitting her cousins. Uh, but she develops this relationship with Esperanza and teaches her about friends or teaches her and her friends about boys and like what it's like to what it's like and what it means to be a woman and she shares her dreams and and hopes for the future and ultimately she uh, her cousins um, send her back to Puerto Rico and you see like that's just sort of the end of what they know of her and I thought that was really poignant. I think that like women um, stuck inside the house is like a really big theme throughout most of this novel. And it's, yeah, I think that it's really poignant that you really never see Esperanza in her own house. And how she's so desperate to get out of Mango Street and you wonder why. Yeah, exactly. So, And like, I think it's worth noting that um, most if not most, if not like the majority, then like quite a few of the characters that we meet throughout this this novella are women. Like it centers mostly on the women in in Esperanza's life and neighborhood and surroundings. And it she does seem to have this perception that women and girls sort of live in a different, a slightly different world and men and boys are somehow outside of that, despite being rather young. What did you like about this story? I think the the form of it. Uh, we talked a lot about how it sort of plays around with more like colloquial and like vernacular language, um, how the sentences are shorter, that um, it often like moves from prose to being in verse or being like in a more poetic style. And like I thought that was really beautiful. I'm always very amazed when um, authors are able to convey like such a clear image in a reader's brain in so few words because that is not something that I do. I am a very verbose person. 
when I write and sometimes when I speak. So that's, that's always like really incredible to me because I'm like, well, how? Yeah, I agree. I really like the form and the way that so much was said in so few words, like pictures were painted with very concise language and I felt like I was there. So I agree with that. I really appreciated how just like atmospheric it was. We talked about this a little bit before, but I think that if this was the first book I had read like this, it would have been a very different reading experience. I feel like this style when it came out, when this book came out, this style was very different and new compared to what was what else was being written at the time. And because of that, rightfully so, it was adopted a lot and used in a lot of... Like, we see more novellas and things in this style today than probably were seen in the early 80s and so I've read a lot of things that are in this style and so to me this feels like it doesn't feel original to me in the way it would have if it was the first one of its kind that I had read. Yeah definitely and um, I think we we spoke previously a lot about how while this this work feels like it could still be set today, that there's sort of like almost like timelessness of modernity in it because of a lack of sociological change, of a lack of culture of like macrocosmic cultural change, etc. But like at the same time, I do think that this sort of form of writing is something that is more common now. It's not that it's common now, but it's more, especially in memoir writing, there is m- more of it. So it's it doesn't feel as much like oh I pi- I've like I'm picking this up and this is the first time I'm seeing something like this. It's like oh this feels familiar. Exactly. Yeah. So it feels le- less innovative than it did I'm sure when it came out, but that doesn't like discount the the sort of like impact of the work itself. Right, right. What did you maybe not like so much about this? I I think that like sometimes being thrown between like households and different characters each little section like threw me off a little bit I wouldn't say that I disliked it it just it gives you a different sort of um experience than you would have if you were like sitting through this as a long-form novel it's very much like you meet flashes of these people and you get a lot about them in really short periods of time but it it's hard to re- or like really connect with some of them because you only need them once and very fleetingly but it does feel a lot more like human experience and sort of like everyday life like maybe a long-form novel where you were like intimately getting to know someone yeah my opinion kind of goes along the same lines I just with some of the characters I wish that I got to spend a little bit more time with them or like see more of their stories I, I realized that that was the goal that was it was supposed to make me want that so you got me um who would you recommend this book to honestly I think it's something that anyone should read I don't know if there's a specific demographic but I think that because this is kind of considered like a, a work of I don't think it's considered a classic but it's like a mod- more a modern literary classic at this point. Oh like, yeah. It's to the point where if you take a literature class you could be reading this book. I agree. It's kind of one of those like touchstone works of modern literature. Yeah. So I I think that like that it's valuable for anyone really. 
especially if you like are interested in that um exper- more like experimental or like non-traditional form I think this is a good place to start was it what you expected no but it's not necessarily a bad thing I would also say well I can't even say no because I just I just didn't even know I didn't know what I was getting I just knew that I wanted to read this book I didn't even really know what it was about so I didn't really have any expectations but uh I enjoyed it (laughs) indeed (laughs) is there anything else you would like to say about this book before we get into our personalized book recommendations no I think that's it Right. Um, then since you're going to be the one with the recommending to do, I will read it. So our listener is asking for a fantasy or high fantasy with character development. The plot does not have to be resolved in a single volume. Third person reasonably, but first person accepted. <laughs> no blonde ML. Tired of them blondes. Fair enough. Um, and bonus if it contains a nautical theme. All right. So I thought I found the perfect book for this, but then I found out that the main character was blonde. Are you serious? I'm serious. That's so specific. And I was like, this is indeed a problem. So I found another book, which I hope fits the prompt better but now I'm scared that the main character of that book is also blonde is this really like a big thing in in fantasy and high fantasy like all of the main characters are blonde I I mean I don't know if I could accurately answer that question but I like wouldn't be surprised yeah um okay hold on I'm looking up I'm just scared now (laughs) okay you know what we're just gonna we're gonna trust we're gonna faith trust in pixie dust because well if it doesn't have if it doesn't have that well quality it has all the others probably it has all yeah it has all the other things okay so (laughs) so um I'm gonna recommend the bone ships by rj barker So I have not read this book. However, I have seen it at the bookstore a lot and often thought about purchasing it. It is a high fantasy, but a pirate high fantasy. And they pirate ships made out of dragon bones. So if that is not the coolest thing that you've ever heard, (laughs) then I don't know what to tell you. Then you're you're wrong. (laughs) Then you're wrong. Because come on. Ships made of dragon bones? Like, who thinks of that? That's pretty sick. Ugh. Chef's kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, check that one out. That one hits all the marks except maybe the blonde thing, but 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 let's just go say that it, it, it hits that one too. But, like, I got bonus points for a nautical theme, so that <laughs> cancels it out. <laughs> exactly. So, it evens out. Yeah, you nailed it. Okay, um, and what are you reading right now? Okay, so I'm reading The Gutter Mage by J.S. Kelly, and I am also reading Disfigured on Fairy Tales Disability and Making Space by Amanda LaDuke. I have heard good things about that. Yes, it is very good. It is the reason why I haven't gotten very far in it is it is not um it is not a thing that you should be reading before bed because it is it like it expertly weaves in 
Leduc's story, like her own like personal narrative with like sociological information, like with historical and like literary information. So like it's really fucking cool. But like I can't read it before going to sleep because I don't want to miss out on things. And if I get tired, then I'm not gonna be able to read it. So fair enough. And the gutter mage is interesting. It has a very witty narrator and is high fantasy, but like a detective story. Interesting. Interesting combo. Yeah, but like not like a traditional detective, like you hired mercenaries to like go find your kidnapped child detective. So I ha- I haven't decided how I felt about it yet, but like concept's really good. All right, all right. How far are you into it? I'm only like 70 pages in. Yeah, it's of like almost 400 pages though. Okay. So we'll check back. My rule is don't judge a fantasy book before 100 pages. Getting close. Getting close. I am currently making my way through Pride and Prejudice. So far, I don't really have many feelings. Um, It's, I don't know, it's a bunch of girls and their parents trying to get them married well, which is a thing. But I, uh, I might not finish it, but I'm going to give it some more time. It's not boring. I'm just, I don't know. I don't have super strong opinions on it yet. Check back with me. <laughs> um, sorry, any Pride and Prejudice lovers. Um, I'm sure the movie is lovely. I'll watch it one day <laughs> when I have a lot of hours. Um, okay, what book are we reading next together? Next, I'm going to grab it so I know how to say the author's name. That's some stuff in Polish, and even though I'm Polish, I don't know how to speak it. So, <laughs> um, we are reading The Bonefire, which it is by Jigri Dragoman, which is a really fucking cool name. Like, go off. I wonder if it's real or a pen name. That is a good question. Uh, the author is from Transylvania, and it's oh, it's translated from Hungarian, so not Polish apologies but still eastern european not that they're all conglomerated together however this is steeped in eastern european folklore okay and so this one as a translated work fits number 17 on our 2022 reading challenge in case you're still following along all right excited to tackle that one i'm so pumped i think that's all for today. Do you have anything else to add, Izzy? No, that's it. Um, see you next time for some translated work. Heck yeah. See you then. See you then. Mm-hmm.